is they all kind of have requirements, don't they? Most jobs, it's good to have them fulfilled by those that are qualified to do them. Uh, we have work days, and most of us are completely unqualified for the works, some of the things that we do at the church. So in those type of jobs, we find somebody else who's qualified to do them, right? And we end up paying them to go do it, because if we did it, we'd destroy it, right? And not all qualifications, not all qualifications are created equal. They're not created equal. I mean, you think about it. Uh, the requirements to work a lemonade stand are far different than the requirements to be the president of the United States. I have to think that one through again because it may not be. But anyway, it used to be. It used to be the qualifications to run a lemonade stand were vastly different than the qualifications to be president of the United States, right? And so the skill set and the and and the uh, the the um, qualifications necessary for a job. Listen, they are determined by the desired outcome that you want from the job. If you just want some lemonade powder put in water, stirred up, and and handed over for fifty cents, right? The qualifications for that are far different than keeping a nation out of war, keeping an economy doing well, and keeping the people, uh, you know, in a place where they can pursue happiness, right? Far different qualifications and and uh, and, and different desired results that are that that are there. So. You know, if you have the wrong kid running the lemonade stand, okay, <clears throat> you might lose three bucks uh, on the powder, the can of powder and the cups and stuff you bought, right? But if you have the wrong individual <clears throat> elected president, which we do, <coughs> we could watch a nation crumble, which has been going on for quite some time now, hasn't it, right? And uh, <clears throat> there's some pretty bad results that come from that, absolutely. Qualifications can determine life or death. Qualifications can can determine whether somebody lives or dies. Uh, Brother Davidson's son is on the bomb squad, and he went through a lot of training uh, to uh, in that for the for the sheriff's office that he works for. And uh, if you're not trained properly, you don't have the right qualifications to be on the bomb squad. You can kill people and yourself. That's that's the big kicker that I'd want to get a lot of qualification. I don't, want to, I don't want to get blown up, right? And uh, so, you know, we see this, and the principle applies in every walk of life. This principle applies. Qualifications, right? There's a man I worked with some years ago, very active man. He was in his early to mid-50s at the time, maybe, and he was just off-the-wall activity, just bounced. I mean, he was, he was an installer at a sign company I worked at. And uh, he was always going, well, he, he pulled something weird in his back. He went to the hospital. They said, you need to have back surgery. Uh, time out. This is free. One of the worst things you can probably do is get back surgery. But anyway, um, and I'll tell you about that later. You can ask me later about it. But I went to get back surgery and uh, came, out of the, uh, came out of the operation. And uh, they brought him back into the operating room, operated again. And they'd realized they'd, done, they'd made a mistake. And to this day, he was paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah, they paralyzed him. It was a mistake. It was a bad mistake. I don't know what was going on through the doctor's mind, but, um, you know, the process in, uh, you know, obviously maybe the gravity of the potential outcome didn't really face him as much as it should have. Maybe there's some seriousness that he was missing. I don't know what went on. I mean, obviously we're human and mistakes happen, but I'm saying this, qualifications matter. 
When you go under the knife, you know, I, I used to tell my kids all the time, <clears throat> you get paid for what you know, you don't get paid for what you do. Listen, I can do brain surgery. Not many people are going to pay me to do it because I don't know how to do it. But I can crack your head open and I can cut away at some stuff and I can, you know, I can figure out a lot of stuff about, you know, cracking your head open and doing fun stuff like that. But nobody's going to pay me to do it because I don't know how to do it. Well, I don't have the qualifications to do it. We're talking about qualifications. Not only that, the seriousness, right? The seriousness of it all, right? And so the same is true, though, for ministry. That's what we're getting at in First Timothy here. There's a lot of things going on around us. There's a lot of voices that are on out there. We have uh, more than we've ever had before. We have social media. You have these things called Facebook and Twitter and what do, what do, what do girls have? They've got uh, Instagram and all of these. <laughs> I call it the girl Twitter. I don't know. It's like, the, you know, the, I know they're both. Everybody's, I just, anyway, I shouldn't say that. But anyway, you have all of these social media platforms. Watch. And we are exposed every day. If you venture to go on any of these, we're exposed every day to voices like we've never had before with their opinions broadcast for everybody to see and their thoughts and their ideas of how things should be. And so... When, when, we, when we think about this uh, today, we're seeing all of these people that have what they believe are qualifications for ministry. Do you realize the SBC just had to have a vote? The Southern Baptist Convention just had to have a vote whether they were going to allow the ordaining of women pastors. Right? And this is, I mean, you had big names out there. You, you had Rick Warren. I didn't even know they were Southern Baptist. With Saddlebrook Church. Big voice out there, you know, arguing how, why women should be ordained within the Southern Baptist Convention. Because of it, really, I guess it comes down to how, how valuable his Sunday school teacher was when he was a little boy. It's like, you know, how, how do you miss that? How do you go, uh, how do you make that cosmic leap from a, a Sunday school teacher to the office of a pastor? Right. And so, and, and then you, of course, when these things come up online, you have all of these people's ideas and, 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 and what they think about it and, you know, how some say it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, women are just as capable to be a pastor and teach and this and that. And, and, uh, nobody's arguing capability. Nobody's are, I mean, listen, you, you can go online and hear some of these women preachers and, uh, they, they can deliver a message better than some men. That, that's not the issue. You know, just, watch this. Just as it wasn't the issue in the Old Testament when Uzziah went into the uh, temple and began to offer a sacrifice and the leprosy became overall, you know, remember he got leprosy and for the rest of his life he was a leper. Why? He wasn't, uh, he, he wasn't of the tribe of, of, he wasn't a Levite and he wasn't authorized with the authority to go into the temple to offer and you didn't watch Israelites going around, well, that's not fair. I want to be a Levite. Well, you're not. Right? And that's just the same thing with the office of pastor. There are qualifications, and one of them is, we're going to look at this, not today probably, but the husband of one wife. I don't know how, you, I mean, I know today everybody's, uh, uh, you know, uh, are figuring out what kind of gender they want to be, right? And, and they're, they're doing that. So, but um, there's some pretty strict qualifications here. Here, here's another one. There are churches out there that are literally ordaining sodomites to be pastors. They have their little rainbow frocks on and things like that, and they're so proud of themselves. And uh, I, I just want to do this. I know most of us are pretty familiar with this, but I want to go back again 
to the Word of God, because that's what we ought to do, amen? Go back to the Word of God and see what God says about the issue and make sure not only are we settled in it, because I think everybody in Sunday school in this church is settled in this, but to be ready to contend with those that have some of the most unbiblical uh, unbiblical viewpoints that are on national platforms spouting this stuff off, right? And so I, w- I do want to look at that today about qualifications, qualifications for ministry, qualifications for a pastor, specifically a pastor, okay? Do you think it's, it's, it would sound crazy if it is not in God's time frame to return in the next 100 years? To you and I, it would sound crazy for us to think that Crimson Avenue Baptist Church would ever ordain a woman pastor in here. But friend, it's not out of the pale of reason. Given enough time and enough lack of teaching, right, and enough putting up walls and perimeters, it could happen. Somebody posted the other day, uh, they were at the, the first Baptist church in the United States, Providence, Rhode Island. I said, I, I, quote, I said underneath, is that woman still a pastor there? They had a woman pastor. About 15 years ago I was there, they had a woman pastor. Yeah, It's possible. It's possible. So we need to always be, uh, uh, secu- uh, just have this driven down in us, secure, go back to the Word of God, let's see what it says. And I want to look today first at qualifications. And uh, I, want to, I want you to notice this in chapter 3. Look at verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Now following here are going to be 17 qualifications for that desire. Okay, 17 qualifications. We're not going to look at the qualifications today. Lord willing, next week we'll look at that. Uh, possibly. We'll see. But let's, look at this. A bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient. Right, Patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity, Uh, For if a man not know how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he shall fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must uh, have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And then it goes into the qualifications of the deacons, uh, pretty much the same thing. But you notice here in verse uh, 2, the bishop, uh, verse 1, is the true saying, if a man desire... The office of the bishop. I don't know how much more clear you get there. This is not man speaking about mankind. It is man speaking of the male gender. If a man, not a woman, if a man, right, desire the office of a bishop. Notice first off that word if. Only if you do. Only if you do. What is that showing? Not everybody has the desire. I knew a friend of mine, his, he's, he is a pastor of a church. His brother is a missionary. And his dad says... I've never had a desire in my life to be a pastor to preach. A great Sunday school teacher, active in the church all of his life. I mean, active in teaching his family the Word of God. No desire to ever pastor. No desire to be a preacher of the Word of God. Well, that's one of the first qualifications. If. If, right? Now, we're gonna, we can look at the desire, whether it's for an ulterior motive. And the 17 qualifications are going to take care of, of whether the motive is right or not. 
right? Because some people in some ranks, I, I don't know why anybody would desire to be an independent Baptist preacher. Uh, there's not much money in it. There's not a lot of clout in it. I mean, you're not going to run the book tour and you're not going to run, uh, uh, most of us are not going to run, you know, the national TV tour and, and be a, you know, uh, some type of superstar that they have come in and ask questions of. You're not going to, probably not going to be asked to the president's office for some advice or anything like that, like years ago. No, I don't know. But there are some that do. They, they have a desire for this office because, uh, you know, there's some power there. There's some authority there. There's, there's can be money there. There can be, you know, fame that is there. And some that are exceptionally gifted can be drawn to that. And, uh, but boy, you better watch out the other 17 qualifications to make sure the desire that you have is of God. If a man, Philippians 2.13, the Bible says, For it is God that causes us to will and to do of His good pleasure. So God puts the desire in a man to preach, to be a pastor. He puts that desire in him. And uh, you can't run from it. You know, I tell young guys all the time, go get a job. Go get a job. If God's called you to preach, you can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. Right? If you're serious and have a, have a heart, I'm not talking about those that just have a heart of disobedience. They don't want anything to do with God. I'm not talking about that. They can find something else to do, trust me, and they will be miserable outside of the will of God. But I'm saying those that, that are kind of up in the air, they want to make sure it's of God. They have a desire and a heart to do the will of God. They, they, God knows their heart, but they go, boy, I don't know if this is really of God or not. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's not. You know, just keep working. Get a job. Make some money. God won't leave you alone. The Bible says the callings of God are without repentance. What does that mean? God doesn't change His mind about His callings. right? This is why some men, when they become disqualified for the ministry, they continue to want to preach, and they shouldn't because they're disqualified. They've disqualified themselves. But the, that calling is still there. That desire is still there. What a miserable place to be. That's why Paul said, Paul said, uh, he, he said that his fear was that he would become a castaway. That was a great fear of his life, that he would live his life in such a way that God couldn't use him anymore. And uh, the calling is still there, and that's why there, many men occupy a pulpit when they should not. They have disqualified themselves in some way or some form, and they shouldn't be there. But here we have, if a man, if it's a desire of God, if it's something that God has put in them, uh, if he desire, desire that, okay? It's not everybody has that. Look at a man, we already talked about this. Not Joyce Meyer, not Paula White, not Osteen's wife, whatever her name is. Not all these women preachers that are out there uh, that, uh, that are supposedly called of God, right? <clears throat> this, this passage says nothing about women desiring the office of a bishop. It does not. And we'll see that further in the requirements, a husband of one wife. Kind of, kind of fix that, doesn't it? So if a man, look at this, desire. Now, this word desire is in the verb tense. It means this, to stretch oneself, to stretch oneself out in order to, to grasp what, we, what you're trying to get to. Uh, imagine this. I remember my nephew, Ryan, is in his mid-30s now, late 30s, I think. But when he was about two, three years old, I remember he had gotten down, a, uh, he had reached up and got down a box of crackers out of the pantry. And he was eating, just, just shoving them in. And my sister says, okay, Ryan, no more. Okay, mama. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> Ryan, I said, no more. Okay, mama. <laughs> and finally it's like, Ryan, put him up. And he's like, <laughs> like this. And he goes into the pantry and all of a sudden I hear, 
Mom, I can't reach. You know, he was trying to, and she had to go in and help him put him back up. But he was stretching. He stretched to get the box. He was able to get it. But isn't it weird? They just quite couldn't get it put back like he got it the last time. Webster's 1828 Dictionary says, To wish for the possession or enjoyment of, with a greater or less degree of earnestness. He says this, to covet in a good sense. Because remember the Bible tells us, Paul told the Corinthian church, but covet the best gifts, right? And uh, then he went on to say, uh, should talk about, uh, about charity, about love. It expresses, Webster went on to say, it expresses less strength of affection than longing. A desire, a longing, a reaching for, right? And, uh, and that, like that child who sees the cookie jar, and he's standing on his tiptoes, reaching to get it. And then you hear the big crash. <laughs> he got it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. For a child, it's the candy, right? It's the cookie. That's, that's what it is for the child. But uh, for the young adult, it might be uh, uh, the unmarried. It might be marriage and, and relationship. For, for the married, it could be that desire for children, that longing, that, that reaching for, that grasping for, the desire... Uh, but for the man called of God, it's the desire to preach. Jeremiah said, it's, uh, he, he, said he quit preaching for a while, if you remember. Jeremiah stopped for a while, and he said, I couldn't do it as, as a burning within my bones. He said, I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm, I'm wore out. I'm tired. I'm destroyed. The, the, the persecution, uh, they don't listen to me. God already told them they weren't going to listen. They don't care what I have to say. I'm done. And he says, oh, it's a burning in my bones. <laughs> I can't not do it. He couldn't do it. That is a desire. That is a God-instilled desire to preach. Yeah. It's a longing. They think about it. They pray about it. Yeah. They practice it. (laughs) When another man preaches when they're young, they try to figure out how they're going to deliver that message, how they would do it differently. Our, uh, our pastor, Sam Davison, one time, he talked about when he was uh, working at a church in Dell City, and he was the assistant, been through Bible college, got onto this church as an assistant pastor, and uh, the pastor of the church came to him one day, and he said, he said, Sam, that message I preached, do you think you could have preached it better? And he said, boy, he gulped. And he said, yes, sir. And he goes, I want you to go to Stillwater, they need a pastor. He'd been there five years under that pastor. What the pastor is doing, he's like, okay, you're ready. Why? It's that desire. It's that, that hope. He's, he's, it's all his mind is. And thinking through, that's, it's normal. That's what happens for a man called individual, right? And uh, so I want to show you this here. If a man desire, right? You see, there. I'm about to go on the office of the bishop, but let me, let me say this real quick before I go on. There would be a real problem if the man who supposedly called to preach had no desire to do it, but out of some other drive, right, some, some other thing is pushing them on simply for the job's sake. Do you really want that? Right? Do we want, do we want that of any expert in life that we need that is just like, whatever, it pays good, I'll do it. 
You know what? I was on the plane one time. I, I've mentioned this before. We headed to Boston one time from Chicago. And the my, guy next to me, I told you, he was the head of the physics department at Brandeis University. And every time I'd ask him a question on the universe, his excitement. I mean, he would explain it and he'd get animated. I'm like, and I told him, I said, I would love, I would love to sit in your lectures. I would love it. I did. I would. Because he was an educator. When a teacher, he was an educator. And he loved what he did. I, I, I like that. I like that. But the one, listen, the one who's in our school systems now that got out with a, you know, a 2.1 GPA got out just, and, and they took the, the education degree because they just were really there to play football and they got done with football and now they're just going to go teach. And so I, I don't know if I want that there. They don't love it. It's not a desire. Notice this, if he desires the office of the bishop. Now there's only two offices in the New Testament church, pastor and deacon. That's it. Pastor. The husband of one wife. Uh, deacon. You want to see this down here? Look, look down here. Likewise must your deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in pure conscience. Right? Uh, being found blameless. Watch. Even so must their wives. I think we kind of clarified that, didn't we? So the office of a pastor, the office of... There's no such thing as women deacons. You say, oh, there's the Greek word, if you know Greek. Which I don't, but I just know this word. Diakonos. See, that's a woman deacon. Sure, the wife of a deacon. But they don't have authority. Because you know what? The deacon doesn't have authority either, does he, Brother Earl? The deacon is the assistant, is the help of the pastor. Why? So they don't have to watch tables. So they can give themselves to prayer and the Word of God. So they're not constantly consumed with all of the affairs that uh, happen in the church, right? They're, and they're apt to teach, same thing as, I mean, look at the same, almost all, identical qualifications for a deacon, yeah? Except they get to get drunk a little bit, but the pre, no, I'm joking. One of these days we'll delve into that one, so it's not what people like to say. So there's two offices, a pastor and a deacon. The word office, office, is defined as a duty, a charge or trust of a sacred nature conferred by God Himself as the office of priest in the Old Testament and that of the apostle in the New Testament. Right? Here is that office of a pastor. God, it is God's church, amen? The Lord Jesus Christ, it's, it's His church. He said, I'll build my church. He, he came up with His own thing. He built his church, and what he wanted was two offices only, pastor and deacon, and that's it. Right? It's not like the office of a president, which is filled with a man chosen by the people. Yeah. Sadly, some churches have, they, they so lack spiritual uh, depth and maturity that uh, a lot of times they do get a pastor that's just chosen of the people, right? Uh, because it, I, I uh, uh, never mind, I'll go on, we'll never get out of here. But I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I've seen the churches pay for it that do that. Do that. You, uh, they have ulterior motives why the person they want. Because really, let me say it this way, really, they don't want a pastor. They want a preacher, but they don't want a pastor. Because what a pastor does in your life, like the shepherd does with the sheep, he's saying, no, yes, yes, no, get over here, stop that, don't go over there, get back, get back over here. You know, <laughs> right? He's going to get them at times and finding them where they've gotten uh, off in the cliff and, and hanging down in some ravine going, ah, you know, because they're stuck, 
right? They haven't been in church for a month or two and they're stuck somewhere and you've got to go get them. That is the, that is the, the role. So a, lot of, a lot of people don't want that in their life. Oh, they'll take all the preaching in the world. They'll take all of the Gaither, the, the Gaither uh, singing groups and they'll, go, they'll, get, they'll listen to Christian music and concerts and Gaithers all over the country, but they won't attend a church because they don't want a pastor over them. And it's an authority issue. It's an authority problem. And so it's the, the office is chosen by God. It was God's idea. It, it's not the position for the guy who just can't do anything else. You've seen those. Haven't you seen them, Brother Chris? Well, you know, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to do, right? I'll just, I'll go preach. Uh, please don't. Please don't. Yeah. It's not for the one who wants to follow in the footsteps of his father or grandfather, right? Or grandmother. No. <laughs> no, no matter how noble they are. Yeah. That's not why you go. It is interesting that God tends to uh, pull people out of the same family at times. It's kind of interesting how that happens. But that's not the end of it all. That's not why the reason. It's not for the guy, it's not for the man who wants to show the world how much of a new leaf he's turned over, right? You see those and they run, they run the, uh, the circuit of, of uh, evangelistic crusades and, you know, I was a dope-smoking hippie and now I'm, I'm a preacher. See, I've really changed. Well, that's not why we do that, right? Uh, I, I'm just as happy with that type of testimony of somebody who's, who's uh, busy for, for Christ, uh, uh, sitting in a pew and going to work and busy with the gospel that way as I am with somebody behind a pulpit. You see, it's a God-given, God-instituted, God-designed office that can only be occupied by a God-called man. And let's say, let me say this. If he doesn't follow the qualifications, God didn't call him. You say, well, that's kind of judgmental. No, it's Bible and it's really easy. <laughs> right? <laughs> if the guy can't stay out of a fight, right? He's showing up constantly just, you know, you know, I don't know what happened, but man, I, man, I thumped him. You know, I was like, eh, maybe you're not called. <laughs> maybe you're too quick to fight, right? Maybe you're too quick, right? If the little kids just absolutely run the home, I mean, just run right over, eh, maybe you're not called, right? Maybe your home isn't in gravity. I'm not talking about rambunctious children. I get that. I'm talking about uncorrected, undisciplined. Eli, remember what Eli's problem was? God said, wasn't it really what the sons are doing? God says, because you didn't, you didn't restrain them. That was the issue. Some children are restrained and they're still pills, but they're restrained. <laughs> they would be a lot worse. <clears throat> and uh, what we're talking about, uh, talking about God, uh, God's design and God's office of a bishop. Now notice this, he's a bishop. That's an interesting word, right? You can call me Bishop Eccles. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. The word is the job description. Bishop. Like you would say president. Like you would say, I don't know, school marm. <laughs> I don't know why that one came to my head. But it's, it's a, it is the position. The title, the name, is the position. Like we say, President Biden. Uh, you know, the, it's hard to say that. But it's, it's the title, all right? Three, there are three words that define the job of the under-shepherd of the church. Jesus is the shepherd. The pastor is the under-shepherd. But there are three words that define what is going on. You'll find them in the Bible. The word bishop, the word, word elder, and then the word pastor. Okay? A bishop, the word bishop defines his position. 
the word elder defines his preparedness, not a novice, an elder. You don't actually have to be at a certain age to be an elder, though the word elder in the Bible in the New Testament is speaking about those with age, right? We're told not to rebuke an elder. I think that is, uh, it includes not only those that are in the position of a pastor. You know, you don't rebuke them. You, you can have discussions with them about things you don't like, right? And, and questions about things. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But when you come with just a rebuking finger, boy, be careful. But I think we ought not to do that to those of certain age groups too, right? Yeah, that, yeah I remember when I wasn't a pastor. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not going to go tell some older man in the church, well, buddy, that was wrong, man. I'm not going to go rebuke him. That's not my job, right? But anyway, that's a different subject. The pastor, the elder, and then thirdly, I'm sorry, the bishop, right, position, the elder, preparedness, and then the pastor, it defines the, the province of his care. It's of protective, protective care, right? The pastor, the shepherd, the under-shepherd. And we talked about that just a second ago. So a bishop is an overseer. That's what that word bishop means, an overseer. Right? It's not a title like, uh, like pope, cardinal, whatever. You know, Like now you get a different pay scale and you're going to do a little better now. Right? No, it is, it, is, it is an overseer. It's a man who is charged with the duty of seeing that everyone else under him is going, listen to this, the same direction. One of the responsibilities that I have as a pastor, right, is to, as, is, as a overseer of this flock, is to make sure we're all going the same direction. To make sure we all, how do we do that? Make sure we all have the same Bible. Amen. Let's, let, that's a good place to start. Make sure we all have the same understanding of some of the basic doctrines of the Word of God. Make sure we have the base, all have the same understanding of who Jesus Christ is and how somebody is saved and how somebody comes into the church and all of these things. We want to make sure it's my responsibility as a pastor to oversee this to make sure that everybody in the church is going in the same direction. All right? It tells us also this, that the bishop isn't the end all. I don't know, yeah, let me, let me say it this way. Um, I answered to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of these days I'll give an account for what I did here and you won't. That's why I'll get grouchy about some stuff that you don't get grouchy about. Because I'm going to answer for it, you're not. And I got to make sure, right? I got to make sure the direction we're going is of God. Yeah. And there's sometimes you scratch your head and you, right? There's sometimes you can look at it, it might, you, you, you don't want to total upheaval, right? You don't want to always upset the apple cart all the time. You don't like it when people leave all the time. But at the end of it all, I'm going to give an answer. They're not and you're not, right? And so we got to, you know, we got to, we got to be careful. I'm not the end all in everything. I answer to somebody else. You can see in the Old Testament with Moses and Joshua, right? What were they doing? Uh, you know, they were following what God told them to do. They were just the ones that were the overseers. Actually, you can see it in the New Testament with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine trying to view your position in the church as something above even what Jesus Christ presented himself as? Yeah. John six thirty eight. he said, For I came from heaven... Not to do mine own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. 
<clears throat> Here, here's another one, John 30, 4, 34, I wrote down. Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. His work. So he's the great shepherd, right? Amen. He's the shepherd of the soul. But listen, I or any pastor of a church is an under-shepherd. And my job, my job is to do the will of him that sent me. To do the will of him that called me. So the bishop is the one who takes orders from God. And then he goes and he leads the church in that direction. Let me say this. If you're not good at taking orders, I don't think you have a right or responsibility to be the one that's giving orders. If you ever find yourself in a church or in this church, if you're, uh, some of you younger guys are around and I'm gone, and you have the responsibility of finding another pastor, which I just kind of let you know, uh, Lord willing, I'm going to die in the back. You know, you can bury me over here. So if you have any thoughts of getting rid of me early... You'll have to pray about that one. I don't plan on going anywhere right now, ever. But uh, someday, you know, if the if it's within the plan of God to to not return in 100 years or 50 years or... How old am I? Okay, in 25 years or 30... <laughs> uh, you know, you're going to be looking for a new pastor. You're going, to, you're, going to be, you're going to be looking one. Listen, you know what you want to find? You want to find somebody who's good at taking orders. You want to find somebody with a little bit, a little, hopefully a little bit of humility, you know, who's learned to say yes sir and no sir. I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, when I first got here, I had I was given some direction of something to do, and I I said, uh, what do you do? You like this? Do you like that? Do you like this? Do you like that? And the individual at the time said, I'd rather you just kind of do what you think you want to do. I said, I'm not used to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not used. To, I'm used to kind of taking orders and being just told what to do and go doing it. It's, you know what? Can I tell you something? That is really an easy life. It really makes life a lot easier, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you know what happens when you put yourself under that authority? You're the one not in charge in, in responsible for what that authority does. They are. The moment you make yourself an authority, now you're going to answer for it, and uh, that's not real wise. And so, listen. If you're not good at taking orders. The idea of being in charge so you don't have to answer to someone. I'm telling you, listen, that's not what God has uh, looked for. It doesn't, that doesn't make you a bishop. That really just makes you a dictator. And uh, you don't want that. So notice this. Let me, let me go on last. What time is it? I've got a couple minutes. So it's true saying, If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And I don't know if I really have this in any of my notes I wrote down here, but I noticed it again uh, this morning, I highlighted that word work. Work. It's work, man. It is work. It is a lot of work. It is not for the lazy. Oh, no, there's lazy pastors out there. Absolutely. But it's not for them. It's not what God, it's not God's design. It's not what God calls. Absolutely not. It is a lot of work. There are a lot of desires that we have in life. We know that all, not all desires are good ones, right? You've lived life a little while and you said, boy, shouldn't have desired that. That's bad, right? And uh, not all desires come from God. For, for, for young guys, it's, it's a good thing to desire a wife. The Bible says so. Right? It's not a good thing to desire two. Right? There's good desires and bad desires, right? It's of God to desire a good job. It's not of God to desire a job that is also illegal or immoral. Right. And so, 
we see these things. It's of God. It is a. It is of God to desire to desire to spread the gospel, but it's not the desire of God to spread something that is unbiblical. So there's good desires and bad desires. So we've got to be discerning to know where the desire comes from. Right? To make sure it's of God. We've got to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. A man desire the office of bishop. He desireth, he desireth a good work. It's a good work. It really is. And... Uh, just as God looked out at creation and said, it is good. And then he said, it's very good. Right. He looked out there. I think in the same way, God declares that the desire to pastor a church is a good desire. It's a good desire. It's something that God has ordained. Watch, it's the mark of a church going forward. It's a mark of a church going God's way. Remember Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, I believe it is, he said, but train thou faithful men, right? Which would conclude that there were men there to train, right? And so if there are no men coming along with the desire to preach or to pastor, maybe a light should go on, eh, maybe there's a little issue. There, you know, there ought to be. Eventually, I know every church grows slowly in a different ways, but eventually there ought to be. You know, there's so many unbiblical voices out there that are preaching their view of the qualifications of a pastor. They have their own view of what it... Well, I don't think that's what that means. And I think that's what... Uh, listen, I told somebody the other day, they said something about, you know, oh, something, uh, you know, about the, the church, quote, universal trumps the Word of God. I was like, well, then you have become the arbiter of truth. That's ridiculous, right? We have the Word of God, and we have qualifications that are given. And as we looked over these qualifications, and the first qualification there is desire, right? If there's no desire, there's never going to be the serious needed the seriousness needed to to match the seriousness of the job. There's got to be a desire, a God-given desire, and God designed designed His church. The Lord Jesus developed and designed His church to strengthen believers in order to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what they are. And actually, it's, what's interesting today, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're looking at the four gifts, the gifts that God gave the church, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher. We're going to look at that this morning, actually, in our, in our, in our travels through Ephesians, right? And so that's the, that's the reason why we're here. And if the, listen, if the pastor's not right, if the bishop isn't right, if the pastor's not right, the body's not going to fulfill the purpose it's been designed to fulfill. Right, because it's not a game. This is just not something of our own deeds. Like, yeah, hey, let's do this now. Let's do that. Let's do this. No, that's not why we're here. And so, you notice here, it's a desire from God. We're going to look next week, and just next week we'll finish it up. But we'll look at the qualifications. It's possible to have a desire for something, but not be qualified. And we we have got to be qualified for that. So I hope that helps you. Uh, this week and hopes it helps you to, with those that the voices that are out there trying to come up with their own ideas of what what is and what isn't and uh, thank the Lord can, can I tell you I think we should all uh, be able to agree on this uh, 
God probably knows better than us what works. <laughs> it is the height of arrogance, right, to look at something that God has specifically said and said, well, I don't know. I think in this case, I think it might work better this way. So you, little finite created being, has greater understanding than the infinite all-knowing God. <laughs> right? Oh, the height of arrogance. Let's not do that. Let's stay with the book. Amen? And let's be dismissed. Father, thank you for your word. Would you bless it? And uh, thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.